Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. LA Lakers basketball. We're talking the young LA Lakers team that is up and coming, that they would say. So let's get right into it. Tim Daniel here. Really excited to be here with the crew, as always, our Hoops hype man, none other than Alex Derrickson. What's up, everybody? And our Hoops historian himself, Sean Mackey. Hello, everyone. Awesome. So glad to be here. And joining us to talk to Lakers today, we got another than Harrison Fagan on the board with us. Harrison, what is going on up there, man? Uh, not too much. It's just, it's it's really hot, and there's not a whole lot to talk about regarding the Lakers. Although I I guess there was a little bit more today. They made their signing of Ejon Leon official, so there was uh there was big news in Lakerland today. Don't nice. think you can get off this broadcast without talking about that. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm and I definitely I have opinions on E. Awesome. So this is going to be fun. So Harrison, before we get started, man, tell everybody about who you write for, how you can be found, man, just so people know where to find you and to explain your Laker love and where it started. So I am the associate editor-in-chief of SilverScreenAndRoll.com, and that is also where I got my start at SilverScreenAndRoll, just doing kind of links aggregation posts. And you can find the majority of my articles there, although I just did, freelanced for Vice Sports out at Summer League and wrote an article on uh, former defenders point guard Josh Majette and kind of what it's like on the fringes of the NBA for a player like that. And so I'm kind of proud of that one. You can check that one out on Vice Sports. But then almost all of the rest of my writing you can find on Silver Screen and Roll. And I I guess I just got my start because I, uh, you know, I I like basketball and I didn't want to get a real job. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's that just makes me jealous. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> so, Harrison, I mean, you're kind of heading into a new era in in Lakerland here regarding this this roster, and it's kind of a, the whiteboard is clean. It's a clean slate. You're you're. It's a new era for the LA Lakers, what's that feel like and what's the aura in LA and not even just amongst the organization, but amongst the fans and everything? Yeah, I definitely have a, I'm, I'm better sourced amongst the fans than I am among the, uh, with the organization. And, uh, but I, I think mostly positivity. There's been a surprising amount of positivity. I think we saw some kind of waves of negative vibes when, uh, when, when the Timofey Mozgov signing happened, and that was kind of their first big target of free agency, there were a lot of people not very happy about that. But for the most part, pretty much everything that they've done this summer is it's made them a little better, either for next season or for the future. And they, again, they, they aren't going to be a very good team next year. I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be a bottom three team, possibly even the worst team or bottom two. But I think that they're going to they're they're going to look a little bit better and they're going to be a little bit more exciting with those younger guys having another year or so uh, having another year under their belt and bringing in the new free agency additions and those types of things. Hmm. All right, I just kind of wanted to go back to last season, which was kind of a lost year, uh, but it was Kobe's last season. He played 66 games. Still ends up leading the team in scoring. Um, he scores 60 in his last game ever, which is incredible and very Kobe-like. Um, 
Do you think that a lot of the the growth of some of the younger players was kind of just kind of cut back a year to kind of throw the keys to Kobe one last season? I think it was to a degree. I de- I definitely think that you kind of have to chalk last year up as la- as a wash and a little bit of a lost year. I-, I think that they did get some value out of playing alongside a guy like that and out of being able to pick his brain for a year. But I think development on the court wise, you know, when when one guy like that is using up. Uh, almost 30% of the team's possession <laughs> and just almost completely hijacking the offense when he's in there. And the coach's first, second, and third options are to go get the ball to Kobe Bryant. Uh, that is an issue, and it's not really the greatest way to develop that. I mean, it would be one thing if the Lakers had run an actual offense last year and guys were supposed to move around, there were some sets, but they're really if there was a lot of that and so it, it was a lot of just kind of stand in the corner and watch Kobe and I guess that's how you're going to learn to be great so I think this year they're going to have to uh you know sorry him dropping out there for distracting me for a second uh I think this year is definitely going to be a better development experience for them under Luke Walton and under you know this this coaching staff, which is something that I was just talking about on my podcast yesterday. We were talking about how this coaching staff just looks so much more promising than any. All right, uh, Harrison. Uh, you know, after the the season that Julius Randle had his first year, which was one game. Um, breaks his leg uh, and is able to come back and play 81 games last year, which I think is pretty awesome. He averages 11 and 10. Um, what's your feel on this guy? Do you think uh, do you think he's a potential building block, or do you think he's like trade bait somewhere down the line? I think it could be anywhere in between both of those two options because we just don't we don't really know, right? Okay. He looks like he's a really good rebounder, and that was something that was a skill that he definitely showed last year. But I think that uh, part of that you have to chalk up to he played next to Roy Hibbert, who's one of the worst rebounding seven footers, uh, really ever, <laughs> and so. He, there were a lot more rebounds, so he was able to draw kind of rebounding statistics playing next to a guy like that. And then offensively, his, his we were talking about stunted growth of the young guys, and a lot of the time, the the Lakers' first option offensively involving Randall was just to isolate him at the elbow and hope that he could create something. And without the thre- any threat of a jump shot, it just wasn't something that was working very well. And so I. I I don't think that we know what Julius Randle is right now. I think that he could end up being a really good starter. I think that he could pace him in offense, kind of like Lamar Odom used to do, although not as good of a defender as Lamar was. Uh, but, like, really, there's kind of all kinds of – there's a million different branching paths that his career could take, I think. Uh, yeah, I – I really like him. I liked him at Kentucky. I thought he was awesome there. So I'm I'm excited to see him continue on this year. Um, Jordan Clarkson has a really nice season. He gets his uh, contract, fifty million, um, and I I really like his game. Do you think that him and D'Angelo Russell can share the backcourt? 
um, for the future, or do you think one of them has to be moved? I don't think that you have to move one of them. I think the more likely thing that would end up happening if they feel like those two can't play the majority of their minutes together is that they end up bringing Jordan Clarkson off the bench. And he's actually talked about that this summer, that he just wants to make things work. And some of that is, yeah, it's coach speak. It's saying what they're suppo- what you're supposed to say. But he said it in multiple interviews interviews and I, I believe he confirmed it to me when I talked to him although I don't remember if, uh, if that was one of the things that we talked about specifically so but he said it multiple times this summer that he's willing to come off of the bench to make this thing work because he wants to he wants to be part of the next great Lakers team is uh, is what he says and so I think that that's kind of the more likely option if this thing is they're starting to say okay these two guys they just it's not a fit we need to move one of them to the bench. I think Clarkson has shown a uh, willingness to go there, and I think that he'd be great at that as the primary option on a bench unit. And I, I also think that I'm opt- I'm also optimistic that those two can play together, especially if Clarkson continues to progress on his three-point shot, which he did from his rookie year to his sophomore one. And if you've watched him on any social media, especially Snapchat, you've seen this summer all the work that he's putting in on his jump shot. So it's a lot different to shoot in an empty gym than it is in an actual game. But it looks like he's doing all of the right things to make it so that those two can play together. The biggest issue might end up being defensively if Clarkson continues to take after you know, Kobe Bryant in his 20th season on that end. Okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see them play together again. I, I was kind of confused when they went ahead because I, I, I thought they were going to take um, um, the guy from the Sixers. My, I'm having a brain fart. Yes, yes. I, I thought they were going to take Okafor. I mean, that was, the big, that was the big thing last year. Everyone thought they were, you know, since they already had Clarkson, but they went ahead and they took D'Angelo Russell, and I think he's going to be a great point guard. He had a nice rookie campaign. He averaged 13-3. and three. He ends up playing in 80 games. He's named to the all-rookie team, second team, and then he gets into a little trouble at the end of the season with Swaggy. Um, now there's ongoing rumors that, you know, the Lakers are trying to get rid of Nick Young. Uh, what have you heard? As far, I mean, I've heard probably the same stuff that you guys have heard on the Nick. I, I don't think that it's any secret that they want to move on from Nick Young. I, I think that if they could have found a trade for him, though, they would have already done so. I, I think what is most likely going to end up happening with that situation is despite Nick Young's kind of efforts to make an apology or not, I don't know, not necessarily an apology, but say I think that we can work things out and the two of us can play together again, I just don't think that Nick Young's production warrants having the potential locker room issue, and so I think what they're going to end up doing is just stretching his contract or just buying him out. Okay. All right. Um, so last year, you you know, like we, we kind of already talked about how it was kind of a wash. Um, you send Tariq Black, Anthony Brown, Ryan Ke- Kelly back down back and forth to the D League. Uh, you end up finishing 17 and 65, last in the Western Conference, second worst in the NBA. Finished 11th in attendance still, which is pretty awesome. But you know they're the Lakers; it's expected. Um, yeah, well, shout out to Kobe too on that one. Oh I yeah, think he he definitely yeah. gave him a boost in the back <laughs> half after announcing just, the retirement Just just a campaign. little, just a little, just yeah. a little. Uh, they fired Byron Scott at the end, which I, I was totally cool with. And uh, yes. this off, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim's like, yep. <laughs> um, this this year they hired Luke Walton, 
and uh, he's coming off his finals appearance with uh, as an assistant for Steve Kerr. I like Luke. He's a former Laker. I, do you think he's just a perfect fit for this team right now? I really do. I, I think that he showed last year a lot of the qualities that you would want in a head coach. And I, I think the one thing that I've always most valued uh, from afar in watching a head coach is the ability to just not mess up a good thing, not try and pigeonhole a roster that doesn't fit into a system just because you want to show that you're doing something as the coach. And Luke Walton didn't come in and try and say, like, oh, I have different basketball ideas than Steve Kerr. I need to show how great of a coach I am. He just continued to roll with a good thing, and it really paid off for them. Starting off, I think, like, what, was it 39-4 last year? Something like that? <laughs> yeah. But now I... I think he has the exact temperament that you want from an NBA head coach. Everyone that I've talked to that's worked with Luke, it's just universal acclaim and praise. And just I don't I don't know that there's a single person on the planet that doesn't like Luke Walton. I think even from back when he used to play for him with the Cavs, like and Luke Walton just came in and like he's the new guy in his job. And Byron Scott is even saying like he thinks Luke Walton's going to do great. So I, I think that's like a real sign of how good of a relationship manager he is. And then you have D'Angelo Russell talking about the the other day on Twitter. He was saying he just randomly tweeted out this coaching staff is fire. Uh, and Larry Nance Jr. has been raving about them all summer whenever somebody puts a microphone in front of him. And so I, I just really think that the kind of culture that they're breeding in the organization with this coaching staff is going to be a really good one for the Lakers this year, even if it doesn't translate to immediate on-court results. I think it will pay dividends going forward. So... Uh, let's the free agent signings that have, that have happened recently. I mean, we talked about the beginning of free agency, the the signing of Tim, Timothy Mozgov, uh, most recently with Yi and everything too, along with Luol Deng. Do you think that there are any signees that the, I think like a, a signee like Deng, where it's one of those more of like a veteran moves than it is the uh, actual? I think like it's going to get that locker room presence. Is that what that kind of deal was with Luol? I think with Luol, it was a little bit of both worlds. I think, especially for the first two years of the contract, he might. I, this year, if Russell's not the best player, it's most likely going to be Dang. It's between those two, probably, for who's going to be the best player on the team this year, just because Dang has the most proven track record of NBA success, and he also is a really, really good veteran presence. So uh, in the last two years of that contract, when he's not able to do as much, I think he's still going to be able to help the team by being a leader, by being someone that the guys look up to, and those type of things, even if he's not living up to his salary at that point. But I think that they're try they were trying to bring in guys that could do both, guys that would be positive locker room presences and can contribute right now because they, they you know they obviously need both. They were a really bad team and they're also a really young team. So those were kind of the two needs that they needed to address in free agency. And you know they didn't do a perfect job of it, but I think that they did just about as good as could be expected, and I, I think Dang was an excellent signing. I think, again, the last two, definitely the last year, but the, possibly the last two years of that contract are going to look a little dicey, but mm -hmm. I think that overall that's going to be a pretty good signing for the team. I don't think that they're going to end up regretting it a tremendous amount, which is kind of the barometer for a good free agency signing this offseason with the money that guys are getting. 
Yeah, and then you talk about uh, the additions of the offseason, obviously, through free agency, but obviously the draft comes. The Lakers pulled a second pick in the lottery. In comes Brandon Ingram from Duke, um, so we know pressure's not going to be something that's going to bother this kid playing in a major college, going to one of the most illustrious franchises in the NBA. Uh, we'll take to the other draft pick, obviously, here in a moment, but first, your thoughts on Ingram. I think Sean and I, in our pilot episode, it went as far as to predict that we both thought he'd be rookie of the year this year. Uh, so what are your feelings on Ingram coming in? Ooh, uh, that that's a bold prediction. I don't know that I, I like his long-term potential, but I don't know that he's going to be able to win Rookie of the Year this year, especially after the Dang signing, because uh, th- I think that's going to be something that's going to end up taking some minutes from him a bit. And I think he might end up starting the year coming off the bench because of that signing. But I, I am high on his long-term potential. I, I, I really, I, I like long guys that are at that are at these. I like guys that are big for their position. And he definitely has that in spades. He's shown in summer league that he the potential, and he showed throughout college the potential to be able to leverage his wingspan. And all of it, like his activity to become a very good defender. And I don't think that he's going to be that just yet. But I'm high. I'm really high on his potential on that end. That no matter what in his career, he's going to be a plus defender at some point. I just think that there's too much there for it to not translate if he puts the work in. And then as far as the scoring goes, I, I mean, you, you have to like a guy that can already get off it, get get his shot off over almost anyone. And, you know, I, I think that he's going to struggle when he gets bumped away from his favorite spots this year. But, it, you know, you aren't going to see him getting blocked a whole lot, which I think is a good sign. And he's he's already a good three-point shooter, and that's something that's going to continue to progress, I think, as he adjusts to NBA range. And I keep checking my phone to make sure I say this guy's name right, but in the second round, the Lakers take... I think I already know who you're talking about, but go ahead. Avika Subak... So, what is the plans for Ivica Zubak? Do you see? Say again. Success? Is it Avika? Avika? Avica Zubak. Although Avica. Yeah. Yeah, you. Uh, it, it's it's Avica Zubats, and that you you guys touched on the hot topic around summer league this year was basically media members whispering to each other, "How do we pronounce his name?" Well, what's your <laughs> idea? Glad I'm not alone. Yeah, Basketballreference.com so always has those. Like they have every single player. If you go on there, they've got the you know the pronunciation. So you good because we're gonna need that when we do the Sixers. <laughs> yeah, you might. Um, Should have used it for the no, Nuggets I, too. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Zubots is. I, I think he was. He it looks like he's a good pick. You know, I, the Lakers picked him on draft night, and I was covering it, and I like. I think 99% of people that follow the Lakers had no idea who he was and had to do some quick research. And I started to kind of like what I saw. But, you know, he's young. You never know how much they're going against NBA players. And Summer League isn't a perfect environment to test that because it's not the NBA yet. But I think he shocked everyone with how well he played. And he already – his English isn't perfect, but he already speaks English pretty well. So he's already uh, he's already become a fan favorite both for his play and for kind of his – media answer his answers in the media to questions and uh, you know just he, he comes off as a very lovable guy and his, his teammates love him too Larry Nance Jr. 
was uh, really taking him under his wing out in Las Vegas, and pretty much every single scrum that Zubots was in, you could count on Larry Nance Jr. casually making his way by in the background and uh, trying to answer a question for him or yelling something out to him to try and and get, catch him off his game, and, you know, the, those two are definitely already starting to bond, and I, I think, and as far as him as a player, he was out there, he was blocking shots all over the place, he still, you know, he needs a little bit more discipline defensively, but he, he had, like, a surprisingly polished post game. I, I think he's going to end up, like, out, like, the way things look right now, I think he's definitely going to outplay his draft selection. I don't think that it's too early to say that. Those are, yeah, that sounds impressive. He, uh, I'm assuming he'll play behind Mozgov and uh, Yi. So do you do you see him getting some real minutes if he, you know, right right now I don't I don't think he's going to play very much this year if okay. at all. I think I think right now the depth chart is Mozgov at the top, and then you have either Ejian Leon or Tarek Black, depending on who you value more. And I guess we'll find out from Luke Walton. Uh, once we start to get a little bit closer to the season, where he has guys in the rotation, that kind of thing. So right now he's kind of like the fourth or even maybe fifth center because you got to think that the Lakers are also going to experiment with either Nance Jr. or Randall at the five a little bit. And so I, I think I don't think that he's going to play a ton for the Lakers this year. I think he will spend some time in the D League with the defenders. But I think as a long-term prospect, he's a very good one. He has some things he needs to work on, but I, I, I'm high on his potential. I think that if he continues to work, I think he can end up being a really good player. So, as we keep going through this discussion here with you talking LA Lakers basketball, we really appreciate it, and I know the guys have a few questions for you. My last one in this finale is, it was just announced literally hours before we came on here, at least to us outside of LA, that 824 will now be Kobe Bryant Day. So how exactly will you, Harrison, celebrate Kobe Bryant Day coming up? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to. Uh, I think I'm going to head to the gym, and uh, I, I'm. I think I'm going to go miss 70% of my shots. But no, <laughs> just... uh, that would that would be a good day for me. And no, I'll do respect to Kobe. I, I think, uh, really, I, I mean, it's nice that they're declaring 8:24 Kobe Bryant Day, but pretty much every day is Kobe Bryant Day in Los Angeles. That guy is. <laughs> A hero out here, and I, I think not a day goes by that I don't hear someone on, you know, see see someone in person mentioning him. I mean, he's been just kind of part of the fabric of the city for the last 20 years, and I think it is like a well-deserved honor for everything that he's done. So, what would you say is the best style of Kobe sneaker then? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I oh man. And I'm not I'm even a big sneakerhead, but even I know Kobe's. I'm trying to. I actually just picked up the Zoom icons. I believe they're called. They're they're the gold ones with uh yeah. with the zipper. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm really liking those right now. My friends like them a little less, but I, I'm liking those. Uh, you know the I think the classic one of the classics is the phenomenon model. The ones that he was advertising when he jumped over that car in the commercial, I think uh, I, I think those are those are great. But I mean, 
he really hasn't had a bad shoe yet. That's always something that he's been, I think, he's taken pride in and been involved with himself. And so you haven't seen any shoes that, you know, he's worn like some other players where they come out and you're kind of wondering, like, did he even look at that or did they just offer him the money and he said, yeah, just put out whatever you want. I'm a big fan of Kobe's first shoes, the ones that he wore when he was with Adidas. I thought those were pretty sweet, but he was oh, only yeah. there. he was only there for like a year or so, and then he got that big contract with Nike. So I actually have a I have a Slam magazine someplace that actually has a big advertisement for his Adidas, and I always remember that. But yeah, N- Nike realized real quick that they whiffed, and they're like, hey, maybe we should get this guy that's like a pretty good young player with the Lakers in like the second major biggest media market in the country. Like we we might want to have that guy on our roster. <laughs> um. So, a few hours ago, the Lakers did make the announcement that they signed the chairman himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yee. China's leading scorer in Rio. Mark Stein said he was making $8 million. Some other media saying $1.1. Do you know what the final numbers are on on what he's coming over here for? I still am not sure that we know the final numbers, although I'm leaning more towards it. I I think it's got to be closer to the, I would guess it's closer to the 1 million just by how many more people have reported that versus Stein reporting the 8 million, but I really don't know, I I wrote an article about this last week just titled like, no one knows how much E.G. Onleon is making with the Lakers, because it didn't seem like anybody knew, they were just people, (laughs) I mean I read that earlier, I was was wondering if you'd heard anything else No, there there were multiple (laughs) sources and none of them were saying the same thing, so I'm not sure if at that that point that that uh, you know that that all every both sides knew what E was going to be making. There might have been still a little bit of negotiating left to do there that uh, they hadn't realized. But uh, yeah, now that the signing's official, I mean, obviously they've come to terms. I haven't seen anybody throw a number out yet. Although obviously that could change by the time we get off the air. Yep. So. With as we said earlier, with it kind of being the new era and the new roster of of the Lakers and everything, if you could realistically, like, say you had one extra mid-level exception that you could issue to any player that is actually worth that amount of money in the league, who would you give it to that you think gets the Lakers kind of to like up another step or like kind of over a hump a little bit? That's still left. No, yeah, no. If you just had to add a guy, like, who's a guy when you look at? the other NBA rosters where you just go, that's a mid-grade guy that we could really use to kind of get the team to the next level. Kind of like another, like, Luol Deng kind of player. Okay, so just like, well, Luol Deng, Luol Deng's making the max, but like like a role player of some kind. Yeah. That's a good question. um, They need to pretty solid debt. The, the problem is is that if you're adding these guys is they have so many young players that need to play. It's really, you, you want to be adding guys that aren't going to need a, a ton of minutes. Uh, so like, Or, you know, you, you want to add good players, but then it's going to be kind of pushing one of your young guys to the bench a little bit. Sure. I guess I'd still probably say center is the position where they have the biggest need. Even though they just signed Mozgov I'm to end up ass, uh, you know. So I think that might still be their biggest area because yeah, we were just talking about they signed E and they have Tarek Black, but neither of those guys are going to set the world on fire. Zubots isn't ready to play, you know. He's not ready to be a starter yet, 
And with Mozgov's injury history, you know, it, it could just be one thing and he's kind of done for a while. And I, I think if he could kind of get back to the player he was for Cleveland two years ago or get back sure. closer to that guy, then this isn't a bad signing. But I don't know if after what we saw last year, if he can do that. So uh, as far as the question of what what guy I would think that they should add, you know, I'm not sure about that off the top of my head. It wasn't something that I thought about before. But mm -hmm. the the free agent that I really thought they should have tried to sign this offseason, and it sounds like they did, I think he just ended up wanting to stay in Miami for the most money possible, was Hassan Whiteside. I was uh, I, I was high on him as uh you know at the center position and you know that that's real hot take I was high on uh, absolutely probably the hottest <laughs> center on the market yeah. but I I guess the, the larger thing is is that's kind of the biggest position of need that the Lakers need help at because Zubats looks like he could be nice in a couple years but every other position the Lakers have a guy uh, a young player that looks like they're going to be like probably a solid starter at the very least at some And they just don't have that to be a center. I'm not sure. So before we cut you loose and everything, one bold prediction for the Lakers season. Bold prediction. Going out on a limb. Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot today, Harrison. <laughs> I, I, you say bold, and I'm almost, I'm almost tempted to say the late first record in the NBA this year, just because I think that they're even though they've added depth, it's so precarious. And the sure. rest of a lot of the rest of the league is just so tough that under two injuries away from being in the basement of the West. And <laughs> so I'd say that I'd also I'm I'm not sure that Brandon Ingram finished the year voting. I, like I said, I'm high on him, but I don't know that he's going to get enough. I think that there there's always right there's always the surprise lottery pick that goes into a team and gets a lot more shots. Right. And then people were expecting them to get. And so they rack up a bunch of points, and the media's like, oh, this guy's awesome. We need to, you know, I looked at box <laughs> scores last night, and he, he's really setting the league on fire. It's and true. so there's that kind of narrative guy. And then I think Ben Simmons is going to get a lot of high of basically playing point guard and having the offense run through him. So he's going to get a lot of that. I think Buddy Heald is going to end up being like a sneaky candidate to get a bunch of votes and then kind of be considered a quote-unquote disappointment later in his career because he doesn't get a whole lot better from where he ends up at that point. So I guess I'd say that Ingram doesn't end up top three there. I don't know. I think still based on if he ha if he plays well enough, I think most likely he'll still probably end up in sure. the top three. But uh, I mean. I mean, there, there's a chance. Oh, man, people are going to be mad at me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, you want to take us home? Yes. 
and we will do that. So this will go ahead and close out this edition of the Corner 3 Fast Break as we preview the Los Angeles Lakers with Harrison Fagan. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk some Laker ball with us and battling some technical difficulties with us. We really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, guys, I think the tech difficulties might have been on my end, so I appreciate you bearing with me on uh, this this setup. And, uh, you know, it's always a lot of fun to come and talk Lakers basketball, so I'm always happy to come on. Thanks, guys. Hope to have you no back. Thanks for your time, man. See ya. And if, if you know anyone out there selling some great whites, let, let, let them know. I need a size 10. <laughs> John. I'm stopping it. There we go. Uh, right. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.